This is part two of our interview with ISTSS President Julian Ford. Orlando. What way would the effect be on making healthcare universal and the benefits that trauma survivors would have? I think that we we have to continue to advocate for universal health care for everyone. And it's especially important, I think, Orlando, as you're saying, for trauma survivors because we know one of the presentations this morning, several of the presenters actually talked about how experiencing trauma in, in a person's life doesn't just affect their emotions or their mood or their stress level, but it actually affects their health all across the board. And trauma and stress doesn't cause illness, but it makes a person more vulnerable to illness. It basically it interferes with our body's immune systems, and it also puts a strain on our bodies in a way that's very physical. It's not just mental. And so health care then is crucial because one of the ways in which trauma affects people is that it can actually create the, the kind of stress-related problems with physical health that then are often not treated if, if a person just doesn't have access to health care, let alone the, the emotional and psychological challenges that the trauma and stress create where the, the kind of mental health and behavioral health care that we want to provide needs to be accessible to everyone. So that's a, that's a great point, and it's especially relevant because of the impact that trauma has on health. Um, I guess one of the questions I would have, um, not a question, but if you could speak to some of the challenges and obstacles that you've, you've faced, um, not only just as a director or, um, you know, a, a board member, but somewhat a clinician, a professional in this field, d dealing with some of the, the intersections of other uh, interdisciplines, such as criminal justice or mm. political science, you know, um, trying to get the money to do <laughs> your research and stuff such as that. Um, I'm not articulating the question oh, the best way no, I can. No, you articulated it beautifully, Rachel. Uh, Angel, that, that, that was something that I think about almost every day. Yeah. Because in order to do the work that we do, we have to have funding. Right. And in order to have funding, we have to work with professionals and sometimes government people, um, sometimes foundations. And we, we have to be able to explain to them why they should take the money that they have, which they, they need to allocate to so many different sources and purposes. Mm -hmm. why, why for this? Why is this so important? Um, and that, that actually is why we had the, the two-part session today where a number of eminent researchers talked to us about how, do, how are we going to convince people that the adversity that children can experience in their lives, the trauma and the adversity, that that's something that we need to make a priority in terms of both preventing and providing services, health care services, treatment services, and services for young people who then get into difficulties and trouble at school and may even become in contact with the juvenile justice system or whose families are having difficulties and they become involved with the child protection system. So we have to be able to explain to judges, to uh, 
employers, to business owners, uh, to the entire community that we work in, why is it important for all of us to prioritize helping people recover from trauma? And, and I think the, the best answer we have so far is because it's not just costly because it's so painful to experience trauma and that pain can then stay with you emotionally and physically for years, even decades. But it's also costly to society because when people experience that kind of post-traumatic stress or pain, mm -hmm. that then makes it very difficult to be successful in school, mm -hmm. to do the kind of creative work that you as artists are doing, to go on and have successful careers in their lives. So it, it actually is an incredible cost, and that's what we're, we're working toward ways to explain to everybody, that a judge needs to think about whether a, a young person or an adult who comes before their court and has maybe, may have committed an act that's considered to be a crime or that's, mm -hmm. that's, just, that's considered to be delinquency in quotation marks, but that, that individual... It's not, a, it's not a justification if they've experienced trauma. But trauma may be a part of why they felt they had to take desperate steps. Mm -hmm. And if we don't then help them to change their life situation so that they don't have that sense of desperation or danger and threat, then we're not really helping them to recover. We're, we're not, and we're not helping our society to be safer and to get the fullest benefit we can of every single productive and creative human being. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going a little bit global in, in my answer to you, but you, you've raised the key question. We need to make sure that people can understand why recovery from trauma is a high priority mm -hmm. and why it should be important to everyone, not just people who have experienced trauma, but to everyone. Right. <laughs> you have actually led ISTSS um, in many different um, ways. I, I, I see something that is very new and with social media for instance. Ah. There is actually something very unique about this year with social media and the Twitter and also bringing in um, an amazing group of yes, um, this very group. young adults <laughs> looking in um, alumni who have really helped us um, a lot. Why do you do this sort of um, innovations? Why do you, do you think that this was important? Well, uh, tongue-in-cheek, it's because I'm a boomer who needs to learn to think more <laughs> like a millennial. <laughs> but I'm also, uh, that's also serious, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized that when I was growing up, this, uh, the social media that we have now didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And the only way I knew to communicate to people who weren't right here in the room with me was to write a letter, maybe pick up the phone if I had a phone, but I probably didn't have a phone with me because we didn't have mobile phones. And now we have social media that allows us to connect to people all over the world instantaneously, just mm -hmm. right, exactly, Orlando. And we've got we've to take advantage of that. Uh, we can only, I mean, we have a we're so fortunate we have a record attendance in person in this meeting. More people have attended this meeting than ever before in all 35 years of this society's uh, existence. But it's still just shy of 2,000 people. 
and there are tens and tens of thousands of people out in the world who can benefit from this. So when I learned that there were ways that we could bring this meeting to people all over the world instantaneously and in such large numbers, I thought, well, we've got to find a way to do that. And I, I am so fortunate to work with a team, the organizing team for this meeting, found Andre Tomlin and Beyond the Room, and Dr. Chang has found Looking in Theater, of which you are alumni, and putting that together, the, his social media expertise, your creative arts expertise and knowledge, and, and, and your eloquence, that just seemed like the perfect combination because now I know that people are going to want to hear what we have to share because you're making it so meaningful with your voices and you're helping us give voice in a way that we never had a chance to before. So I, I believe this is the first of many, many years where we will be reaching out well beyond this meeting and, and the, the people who can physically attend it and uh, I'm so grateful that you're all a part of helping us launch this. Thank you for having us. Uh -huh.